Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it was already referenced uh, this morning by Pastor Brian, but are you guys ready for the big day? Yeah, and Ramsey says, what day? That's a good question, actually. Um, I did my part for the big day, if that's what we're talking about. Um, brisket. The, the alarm went off at 1, and my wife said, is it time to get up yet? And I said, no, it's time to cut the brisket. Right? Um, and the good thing about getting up at 1 o'clock is you get first dibs on seeing if it came out. It came out. It came out. But... As much as we like the Super Bowl, or maybe we don't, I don't know. Um, but there's food, there's, there's friends, there's family, um, there's fun, there's football, there's all these things. As much as we like to think about this as a big day, it's not what I was uh, referencing when I was talking about the big day. Uh, what I'm talking about is, are you ready for the big day? Something a lot more important, a lot more meaningful, a lot more joyful, um, and of course a lot more... Um, fulfilling, and that is the last day, the parousia, our Lord's return, because what a wonderful day that will be. What a wonderful day that will be where we behold God by sight, not by faith. The restored creation, the restored, renewed creation, new heavens and new earth, it is hard for us to wrap our heads around. It is hard to imagine a world without the corruption of sin, isn't it? A perfect world. It's hard to picture it. It's hard to imagine a world in which your relationships with every single living creature your relationships with every single living creature, that those will be whole. Hard to imagine. That estranged loved one, whole relationship. Someone who bullied you, whole relationship, right? Assuming that they uh, are in faith. An overbearing boss, whole relationship. The person down the street, in the office, across the pew that you don't know or don't care to know, all those relationships will be whole. Think of it. With every single living creature, no more fear, no more awkwardness, no more anger, no more separation, no more, oh, heading the other way, uh, oh, that is that person, let's go this way, uh, screening calls, no more ghosting, avoiding contact, no more wondering where you stand. All relationships with every single creature in the new heavens and the new earth will be perfect. It's hard to imagine our lives in such a way. Every moment in accordance with God's will and God's design. That is a big day. But we are a long way from that now, aren't we? You and I are a long way from that now. Well, except for one person. 
There's a lot to be said today about Christ's discourse from the Gospel of Matthew, but we need to go back a little bit to last week's to have something to grab a hold of that's not just entirely law. In last week's Gospel, Jesus tells us the following, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, right, to get rid of them. I've come to fulfill. I've come to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, right, a little bitty mark, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, and this is what he's saying to us, to you, to me, uh, we should listen. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these, the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them, whoever teaches them, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our relationships with others are far from perfect, and we have a field day, an absolute field day, with relaxing the commandments according to our design, according to our fallen human nature, and we teach others to do the same, and we say, it's all okay. What poor, miserable creatures we are. The commandments are good, right, and salutary. They show us how to love God and to love neighbor. But here's the problem. When we see the commandments as something negative, as a hoop to jump through, a hoop to jump through to earn God's favor, well, that can lead to something that the kids now call quiet quitting. You know what that is? Quiet quitting refers to this kind of attitude of the whole person to do the absolute minimum. To put in no more time, no more effort, no more enthusiasm, no more service to neighbor than absolutely necessary. In quiet quitting, you have a paid vocation, but your heart's just not in it. We know that our relationships are not perfect or done in accordance with the Ten Commandments, but too often instead of repenting, instead of repenting and beseeching God to create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, we just relax the commandments. The problem isn't me, it's everyone else, right? We relax the commandments. We fidget with them. Change them, adapt them, update them to suit our fallen, sinful, broken desires. When we see the commandments as something negative, as a hoop to jump through to earn God's favor, well, that can lead to quiet quitting in our lives as Christians. What a shame. And it can also lead to this kind of attitude. Okay, I'll jump through the hoop. I'll get paid. I'll go home. That's all there is to it. Right? Jump through the hoop. Get my dues. Get my wages. Go home. Jesus blows that all out of the water for today, doesn't he? 
Our Lord is not going to relax God's commandments or make you believe that you earn heaven by doing the minimum or really earn it by doing anything at all. But especially taking, well, if I do this, then I'm okay. Right? I think that's where we end up a lot of times. If, as long as I do this, I'm all right. So, take the fifth commandment, for example, right? We'll just kind of focus on a few today. You hear the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, and you think, I'm good, great, I am totally set. I've done the bare minimum, I'm good. I haven't murdered anyone, totally fine. <laughs> Jesus says, um, no. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, raka, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Anybody hate somebody in their heart? Get angry? Some 84% of people surveyed say Americans are angrier today compared with the generation ago. According to a latest health poll, when asked about their own feelings, 42% of those polled said they are more angry now than they were a year ago. I don't know where you stand, but I know hatred and anger are a part of daily life probably for many of us, even if we don't want to admit it. And then there's more, of course. That's just the fifth commandment. When it comes to the sixth commandment, right? Living a sexually pure and decent life. You might think, okay, I haven't cheated on my spouse. That's not me. I don't have to worry about it. I'm good. I've done the minimum. I jump through the hoop, get paid, go home. Jesus said to you, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with Lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It's a sad state of affairs. We know about divorce rates, I think. But I bet it would shock you, and I'm kind of read between the lines here as I'm trying to, about explicit content. Content is so, explicit content is so easy, it, it's within reach, you can get to it. It's not a problem. Depending on the studies that you read, and I know that statistics can sometimes be warped, but 
depending on the studies you read, 19 to 78% of women view explicit content on a regular basis. For men, it's 40 to 79%. And even without explicit content, when you surf the internet, read a magazine, watch a movie, view at a TikTok and gawk a little too long, along, uh, look at Chris Hemsworth or whoever, yes, Jesus is talking to you. In last week's gospel text, Jesus tells the following, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a little speck, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches other to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That's him. That would be Jesus. Jesus taught and did the commandments perfectly. Think about that. Where his relationship with every living creature was whole from, from at least on his part. Not on those who interacted with him, right? But on his part. Think about that. Where you and I see an annoyance or an obstacle, Jesus sees a person who needs God's love. Where you and I see an object for our own gratification, or happiness, Jesus sees a person who needs God's love. When you see an object to avoid, or despise, or ignore, Jesus sees a person who needs God's love. And then He loves them. Where we see something to hate, Jesus sees a person to love actively, completely, perfectly. And out of love, Jesus does that for you as well. How does he do it? Well, first, he takes. Might not think of Jesus in that, in that way. He takes. Yeah. Uh, he takes all your sin and shame. All your failures and misses and regrets takes that. At your weakest moments, your darkest deeds, your deepest evil, that belongs to Him. All of it belongs to Him. None of it belonged to Him. Your death, your damnation, your separation from the Father, your status as one who relaxes the least of the commandments and teaches others to do the same, He takes 
that. Your status as least, he takes that. All of it his, none of it his. But thanks be to God, Jesus also gives. You know, this is a statement of law. I'm going to turn it into gospel. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, all those guys who thought they were doing what they needed to do, it wasn't enough. It's got to be better than that. They relax stuff too, make no mistake. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Will not. Jesus takes, but He also gives. So what does Jesus do with all that perfect righteousness? Keeps it for Himself? No. He imparts it to you. He who did no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. So that you might be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a jot, not a tittle will pass from the law until all is accomplished. On the cross, Jesus does a lot of taking. And He does a lot of giving. Jesus took all that was yours and made it His. And He took all that was His and made it yours. He fulfills the law and the prophets from the wood of a cursed tree, bringing life flowing from His precious blood. And from that cross, one word brings comfort today. You know what that word is? It's Greek. You know it. It is tetelestai. It means... It is finished. It is accomplished. Because of Christ, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and scribes because it is the perfect righteousness of Jesus. You, the least, now great in the kingdom. Why then resort to quiet quitting? Why go back to that? Well, I got to do it. I'll do the bare minimum. I'll lower the bar. When through Christ you have received the highest honor, the greatest promotion, and through the Gospel continues to give to you continues to give you His righteousness, continues to give you a spirit that gives you a new heart. A heart that sees people as someone for whom Jesus has died, someone who needs God's love, someone who needs your love. You, as a Christian, have a paid vocation. You have a paid vocation. But the wages aren't yours. Your wages are sin and death. That's what you've earned. 
You have a paid vocation, but it's paid by the blood of Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, then, we're not set on quiet quitting. And our heart is in our paid vocation. So as we go forth from this day, from this place, this day, let us pray that great prayer that David himself prayed, knowing that we are great in the kingdom of God on account of Jesus, and ask him to continue to work and give and take our sin. Let us pray. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Amen.